Five, three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> you just gave yourself a countdown. It was for both uh, of us in case you were about to do something. What, what did you think I was going to do? Like, just did the song. <laughs> sorry, sir. Sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> Hit me with a rendition of Supercalifragilistic. Hello and welcome to Too Much Time On Our Hands, the theatrical cut. We are here this week to talk about comfort films. As always, I'm Terry, and again, as always, I'm joined by Sonia. Hey, Terry. How are you? I'm good. Terry, it's your birthday. It is my birthday. Happy birthday, dear. Thank you. Another year older. How have How's your weekend been? It's been lovely. I've done very little, but it's been nice. I've eaten a ma- I ate far too much Chinese. I hit the point of I knew I'd eaten too much Chinese, but I kept going. That sounds like every day for you. Oh, I, I went in hard. Yeah. I, I had a whole pot of crispy chilli beef to myself. Oh, snazzy. Did you have to uh, loosen your waistband? I was wearing uh, elastic. <laughs> I thought a head to side problem. <laughs> Just went in wearing a nappy. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but a smile. Oh. <laughs> that way, more of food for me, because strangely, everyone else was put off. <laughs> oh, what a horrible thought. Yeah. Well, with that mental image firmly <laughs> in everyone's mind. Uh, so let's get on to the podcast. So say we're here to talk about comfort films, but as always, we'll start with our weekly roundup or two weekly roundup as it's now become. Sonia, what have you been watching while we've been away? Well, um, not much outside of our uh, subject matter because um, with comfort movies or your definition of, I don't really need to watch my comfort movies to be able to talk about them because by their definition they are films that I watch a lot but I wanted to watch them yeah that's the thing I kind of I kind of felt like you yeah, push this- yourself a bit more didn't you there's other topics I've been like I could probably get a film in tonight but I can't be bothered as you're like oh bag it on be, be um, right. and I've, I've really sort of enjoyed sort of re-watching a lot of these films so you're not be- crying yourself to sleep again like you did with the uh, ensemble. Um, ensemble. Uh, what did we do last week? Oh, oh, Ridley Scott. I was just crying because I was so bored. But um, there's you. When we discuss our our uh, our personal favourite comfort films, um, there is one that you know makes me cry. So um, obviously, I did have a little weep. Um, <laughs> but um, so you're happiest uh, when you're crying. Aren't yeah, you, yeah. Basically, um, happy with my misery. Um, so outside of the topic, I've actually watched um, very few films that aren't uh, comfort films. So the first film that I saw um, was at the cinema with you, and I keep getting the title wrong. I'll, I'll say what I think it's called, The Happy Time Murders? Hey! Is that what it's called? It is The Happy Time Murders. Uh, which I'll just double-check that, but yeah, I believe I th- it is. I thought it was an unlimited screen, yeah, but it Time wasn't. Happy Time Murders. We just went to see it, didn't we? We did. Uh, me, you, and a couple of the uh, fan, fan club. club. Um, <laughs> um, I think it's probably best that you t- you describe what this film is about. So it's your typical murder mystery. A cop, well, a former cop who's now a PI, gets roped back in with his former partner to try and work out why these people are being murdered with the added twist that the ex-cop is a, a Muppet, essentially. I don't think they're ever... Called, they're called puppets, aren't they? But mm. they are Muppets. It is part... 
Jim Henson was in. I think Jim Henson directed the film. I don't know if you saw it as like part of He's the. Dead, Hen- isn't he? No. Um, oh, maybe I'm getting it wrong. Jim Henson's dead, isn't he? And John Henson's the son. Mm. Well, either way, his son. Uh, so yeah, so. I mean, it's quite funny for the first five minutes watching Muppets saying fuck and cunt. And, well, I don't think they said cunt, did they? And shit and like flipping each other off. It's just quite funny. Um, so yeah, so it's basically a murder mystery. I would describe it as almost like a Shane Black film. Like if you think of like the nice guys, that sort of banter and repartee between Melissa McCarthy, who I didn't hate in this film, strangely, considering normally she makes you want to vomit. Um... And yeah, it's just following the happy time murders. Can't really go into too much more because it'd be a bit spoilerific. Um. Okay, so completely um, on the reverse of that, Terry normally doesn't enjoy Melissa McCarthy, and I do. Um, I didn't enjoy this movie at all. <laughs> it was rubbish. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't brilliant. And I found the. Um, so it was. I think one of the taglines is "All Street, No Sesame." So you've got the PI who's a puppet and uh, Melissa McCarthy is the cop and they they have to be partnered back up to investigate these murders of the Happy Time TV show who are all puppets. Oh, sounds like I was strumming a guitar. I've just managed to flick a spring. <laughs> um, that's not any kind of euphemism. I actually flicked a spring. Um, um, and it's sort of, you know, rude puppets, but I just think done really shit. Um I was it's expecting no, more. You know, I think it's no Team America. Oh, God, no. Um, and when Team America was rude, I found it hilariously funny. When this was rude, I mean, there was one scene where... Are we talking about <laughs> the uh, the sex scene, Sonia? I mean, the sex scene was so ridiculous, but when a bit of... It, it did it a Team America, though, didn't it? Because it was funny... Went on so long it stopped being funny, but then continued going on and became funny again. It was when something hit the door. It just <laughs> made me laugh. It was just the sounds of it and everything. But but the rest of it I found so crass and but not in a good way. Because you know, you know me, I don't mind bad taste or yeah. but I just found it in that bit with you know, like you see a bit of um them like filming a porn yeah. when he goes to the sex shop, doesn't he, with that cow. Yeah. And I was An just octopus. like wanking off a cow essentially oh, was it was it an octopus I... yeah because it, it was getting all the others at the same time oh okay I, there were too many <laughs> arms I couldn't quite but I was just like I I, I didn't know what was happening there no um, and I just found it just really disturbing I feel like they they thought let's go for it let's not hold back whereas I think in some places it would have been better to hold back they just they did just thought oh yeah we'll have them having sex in the background we'll have this we'll have this ridiculous sex scene we'll have a basic instinct riff of looking up at a skirt um, say so for the first couple of minutes I found it quite funny say so hearing him say piss off to someone or call them calling each other arseholes and stuff like that but it was basically that for an hour and a half I just I just didn't like it and I the was, plot was, was incredibly just, basic yeah I just I was I was bored. I was really disappointed. I didn't know anything about it going in, and I couldn't really recommend it to anyone. Um, um, so that's that's that one. Um, and then the other film that I watched outside of the uh, comfort movies, um, I decided to watch this morning whilst I was having my breakfast. Beyond the Gate. I've heard um, of it. Yeah, it's a well, it's it's in the horror section. Well, no, I think it has, is it like a new film made to feel like the 80s yes I believe I have well, seen it well 
Yes and no. It's like a video game. Ish. So um, the, it's very much been packaged um, to look like Stranger Things. Yeah. So when I saw the cover, I was thinking, oh, here we go. It's a Stranger Things ripoff. And actually, um, I was looking at some horror films and another there was a, a woman next to me who was also looking at horror films and she actually saw me looking at it and she recommended it to me. So I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll give this a whirl. Um because I said to her, oh, it looks like a Stranger Things ripoff. And she said, oh, no, that's just the packaging. Like, it, they, they're just trying to obviously cash yeah. in. Um, and it's basically about um, these two brothers who whose dad has disappeared. And he's his dad, uh, their dad used to own, like, a video store. Yeah. Um, and anyways, they go into his office and they find this old game. And I didn't know about these games. He's like, video games? Um, yeah, as in, you put it, a VHS in. it was a board in. game as yeah. well. So you have a board game, but you put the VHS in. And it gives you instructions or something. I didn't know these things existed. But anyway, so they follow this game and obviously, you know, creepy things happen. But it's a game from the 80s. And it's just, there's lots of like practical effects. Have you seen it or do you just Yeah, no, I have seen it. Um, and I thought it was okay. Like she, the the lady telling me about it, she obviously thought it was fantastic. I, it's not like a, a five star film for me, but I thought it was decent. And I liked mm. the effects because we like practical yeah. effects, don't we? Um I thought the effects were good. I really liked the music. The music definitely had like a Stranger Things vibe. Um, it just had like a cool... It just had like a cool feel to it. It felt like people who love the genre made it. Yeah. And it looked nice yeah, without being it. glossy. Um, and the best thing about it was it was about 80 minutes long. Oh, yeah, it was a short one. Yeah, so I could... Um, I watched it whilst I was having my breakfast and had two cups of coffee. Um, and then I went about my day and I thought, that's, that's perfect. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. Give that a look. But and besides going to gigs, which I won't bore you with, because um, we know this is not the podcast for this, but if you want to see what gigs I've been to, you can go to Mallory underscore listens um, and have a look at that. Um, but besides that, I've only watched comfort films. All right, so I'll take over because, like I said, I didn't feel the need. I've watched quite a few of them but I didn't feel like a burning edge that I had to watch because most of them, I think, looking down my list, I think I've seen all of them probably at least 10 times. Hmm. So, I, and as sort of part of what we're saying, like it's something that you can just watch without having to actually watch it. It's something you put on in the background. Hmm. So films I've actually watched, I watched Jackie, which obviously we mentioned a couple of I weeks ago. I thought you'd already seen that. I had not seen it, no, but it was on um, Netflix and... I get the bus to work and I've suddenly realised that you can download from Netflix onto your iPad. Did so you know that? I did not know that, no. Oh so I've God. been downloading films and watching them. So that's why I've got through quite a few because I've just been watching them on the bus journey. I couldn't uh, do that, see, I get travel sick. Oh no, it's alright. I'm just scared I'm going to miss my stop. But so far, touch wood, I've not missed my stop. So no, I really enjoyed Jackie. Um, so this is Jackie Onassis or Jackie Kennedy as she was at the time. The immediate aftermath of the assassination of JFK so the bulk of the film or the real time of the film is set 10 days afterwards where she's giving an interview to a reporter about what's happened and then we flash back to the event before the event mm. and other little bits um, I mean it's going to be no surprise to you I think Natalie Portman is very good in this film she was Oscar nominated for this as well it's a very different role for her and even for me, being someone who's massively in love with Natalie Portman, I forgot I was watching Natalie Portman. I thought I was watching Jackie Kennedy. Mm. And the use of music in the film is really, really clever. So there's some bits where... And this may have just been because I had it in headphones, where the music almost becomes overpowering, but it's 
part of the film so when she's talking about the actual assassination the music gets so loud it's almost disturbing your enjoyment of the film mm. but it's obviously part of that um, but yeah it's basically just about how she deals with the event and her trying to sort out his funeral and people trying to go because obviously with him being a president there's a president the vice president is immediately sworn in as the president it's like her dealing with that and it's her sort of thinking about his legacy as a president and that how that's how he's going to be perceived for generations going forward but i really enjoyed it again i don't think it's that long it's like hour 40 Hmm. I did I did it in a day so it was like there back and a bit on my lunch yeah I do actually have it in my pile over there to watch because it's one it's of the got, f- it's got quite a nice slipcase I think one of the few Natalie have. Portman films that actually appeals to me but no it's very very good I really enjoyed that uh, that was a comfort film so then to uh, mix things up on the next day on the bus I watched Leatherface the most <laughs> recent Texas Chainsaw Massacre film but it's a prequel mm. uh, it stars Stephen Dorff oh um, bit, bit of a bastard so it starts off, he's a sheriff in said town. His daughter is murdered by the Hewitt family, mm. who obviously we know turn out to be the horrendous family. Uh, and he sets about fucking with this with the matriarch and he takes all of her children away and he basically takes all of the bad children away and puts them in a home. They get renamed and the parents aren't allowed to know who they are. So then we skip a few years and we're in this mental institution essentially and we're following a new nurse called Lizzie who's just started. Um, and there's this, there's Jackson who seems quite nice. There's Isaac who seems a bit weird. And then there's Bud who's clearly mentally handicapped. He doesn't really talk. He's big, he's strong and he's very defensive of other people that he likes. Something occurs and they all escape. Mm. <laughs> um, and they go on a road trip and the whole thing is like them getting back to where it is. Because the, the thing is, I didn't realise until reading the trivia, apparently it was meant to be a bit of a, oh, actually, he's Leatherface, not this guy. For me, the person who was Leatherface was always Leatherface. Mm. And apparently it was a big twist at the end as to who was Leatherface. But it wasn't actually a twist. No, to me, I was just like, was that meant to be a twist? Because it was so obvious that that person was yeah. going to be Leatherface. It's it's very cheaply made, Um the first Texas Chainsaw film not filmed in Texas. It was filmed in Bulgaria for budgetary reasons. Oh, how about that? Yeah. Um, it's very gory in places, like OTT gory, but not in a good way. There's one bit where three people manage to hide in the carcass of a cow. <laughs> okay. To the point that they are undetected. Is that possible? No. Not this cow, anyway. Okay. Because the cow was probably the size of one of them. Okay. Um, but yeah, very... I mean I've given it two stars it was like if you'd like Texas Chainsaw you might enjoy it because it's got that vibe but the big thing is that it ends with Leatherface but the jump there's just such a jump from him being who he is to becoming Leatherface it's just like they've ru- there's this whole film of bollocks and then they jump into him becoming like, a bit like um, the Star Wars prequels it's meant to be about him becoming Darth Vader and you have all this bollocks and then he turns into Darth Vader like that in Revenge of the Sith and it's like you could have done a whole film with him like musing on the fact of am I good am I evil um, if you've got nothing else to watch give it a go I do have it as part of my collection oh do you yeah it's fairly recently released are you sure you bought it yes how okay. fairly recently like it came out this year maybe I don't 
Never mind. Anyway, that's yeah. uh, that's a boring side tracking. Mm. Uh, so then, <clears throat> Gemma decided she wanted to watch Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. So we watched Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Don't really need to go into that. Everyone knows what Harry Potter's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I watched a film called Wix- Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, which is also on Netflix. There's a bit of a theme with these films because they're all on Netflix that I've downloaded. That's uh, with what's her face in it? It's got it? Tina Fey in it, mm-hmm. and it's a true life story where she is a woman who works at a news station which is like in the background doing stuff and they need someone to go to Afghanistan and become a reporter she decides to do it because she's bored and it follows her life there it's got a really good cast it's got um, Margot Robbie Martin Freeman um, and some other people as part of it and it's it's just following her in Afghanistan so obviously it's her getting used to being in Afghanistan obviously not being able to go out without a face covered etc not brilliant not is it crap. funny? no there's humorous elements mm. in it, but it's not like an out-and-out comedy. Margot Robbie is probably the funny one. She's playing British, um, and she's just very... She's been there for years, and like the first thing she says to Tina Fey is like, oh, can I speak to you? Like, Can we go to my side? Like, Do you mind if I fuck your security man? So I just want to check like you haven't got your eyes on him, and then there's this massive thing about how... It's like, don't think you can't shag your security man because out here you might be like a four or five in New York, but out here you're like a nine, nine and a half. <laughs> and like... They just don't see women out here. And then Tina Fey jokingly goes, oh, so if I'm nine out of here, what are you, like a 20? And Margot Robbie just goes, yeah. Because <laughs> obviously she's Margot Robbie. Um, but yeah, so enjoyable watch. Uh, that was that. Uh, then I went to the cinema to see King of Thieves, which no, Sonia, you were due to come to, but you had a bit of a headache. Yeah, a bit of migraine. And dropped out. So this is the story of the Hatton Garden robbery, which is, again, a true story. Um, it's been made like three times in the last three years mm. with ever increasing the calibre of cast. So the first one is people I've never heard of. The second one's got like Larry Lamb in it. And then this one's got Michael Caine in it. So okay. they're, they're moving upwards. So it's about I a like bunch. Larry Lamb. No beef against Larry Lamb, but if you're getting an A-lister for your film, you're picking Michael Caine. I bought Caine a car off a guy who looked just like Larry Lamb. You sure it wasn't actually Larry Lamb? No, he said his name was John. John Lamb. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so this is the Hatton Garden Robbery. So it's a group of of elderly gentlemen. So it is Michael Caine, Paul Whitehouse. <laughs> elderly gentlemen. Is Paul Whitehouse elderly? Yeah, he's got to be in his sixties. Is he? He had a heart attack not so long ago. So? He did a really off topic, but a really random TV show. Him and Bob Mortimer fishing, but actually just them two fishing, not like a sitcom. And like, it was um, actually hilarious. Robson Green's Extreme Fishing. Yeah. Did you ever a, watch that? No. But this is just literally the two of them sat on the side of a bank chatting about stuff and it's just hilarious. That is fucking shit. Uh, Michael Gambon's in it. Ray Winston is like the young'un. That's, that's the sort of calibre of the age. At one point, to show how youthful he is, he does a handstand. <laughs> I don't know if there was any CGI trickery involved in it actually being Ray Winston. He's a big man to do a handstand. Yeah. He looks quite trim in this, to be fair. Yeah, it's but like, think about the pressure on his wrists and he's elbows. Like, he's like the muscle in this film. Of course he is. Um, and then you've got the young'un in Charlie Cox, who's like the the young lad who has the idea for this big robbery. So it starts off with Michael Caine and his wife, and it's intimated that his wife isn't very well, and then it cuts to her funeral and her wake. And they're all like sat around chatting about all oh, the jobs we wish we could have done. Obviously, we're too old now. And the Hatton Garden job comes up, and they decide, you know what, fuck it, we're going to do it. Like we're old. What's the point? So the Hatton Garden job is Hatton Garden in London, where there's a lot of jewelry stores. There's a massive vault underneath hmm. where they all store all their diamonds and everything. And apparently, it's like millions and millions under there. 
and that's the job that they undertake mm. it's quite a sh- odd way they do it so it's about five minutes for them deciding to do the job about 10 minutes of them planning the job and then it's the job and then i would say about two a third of the film is the aftermath of the job and will they get caught will them sort of the fracturing of their friendships and their sort of group it was just strange normally in that sort of film it would be a massive build-up on how they're going to get it done but the bulk of it is the actual job and then the aftermath and it was really good everyone in it's very good pete possible not pete possible like he's been dead for years <laughs> sorry <laughs> what's the other one um who's the further i'm thinking of he's been in harry potter oh, i don't know jim thinking? broadbent <laughs> i don't know where pete possible came from uh he okay they're not alike he plays a slight. He plays a bit of a cunt in this film. I like Jim Broadbent. He's like the one who, after the job, is like trying to get people pushed out so they get a bigger cut. And mm. it's not n- normally you associate Jim Broadbent with nice characters, like bumbly characters. Yeah. But a very good role for him. Uh, Michael Gambon's introduction scene is probably the highlight of the film for me. Michael Caine is having a shower in Tom Courtney's house. Michael Gambon comes in and is desperate for a piss runs upstairs into the bathroom doesn't realise Michael Caine is in the shower Michael Caine's obviously laid all his clothes out on the toilet so he just turns around and pisses in the sink but that puts his eye level bang on with Michael Caine and Michael Caine stood there just wiping the glass on the shower just like what the fuck is going on Gambon's having a piss and then literally just looks at him and Michael Caine just looks at dead in the eyes and goes fuck off <laughs> and he walks out liberal use of the F's and quite a lot of C's in this film really yeah yeah, it's quite something to see Michael Caine say, fuck off, you cunt. I don't um, know that I like it. Oh, Do you think, is it worth me giving it oh, a Oh, yeah. Solid, like, not amazing, not shit, really enjoyable. It was quite nice watching it with quite a big audience because there was quite a lot of laughter because there is funny bits in it because I say it is about, like, their old boys. Mm. There's a lot of stuff about Paul, White, Paul Whitehouse and his arsehole mm. um, because he, he's having a bit of trouble. Um, Was but, he backed up? Uh, yes, I think so. Or, or the opposite, I can't remember. But no, it's, it's very enjoyable, obviously based on a true story. I, I love a film when it ends and you get that little, so-and-so, this happens. Oh, so-and-so. yeah, I love that. I love yeah. that a little bit. Up there with when you then get real pictures as well. Yeah. This is what they actually like. That's why I love the help, because you get both. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I would definitely recommend <laughs> The only film. reason you like the help. <laughs> None <laughs> of that empowerment shit. I just like the pictures. Pictures at the end, yeah. Uh, then I watched a film called The Loft, which was shit. Is that on Netflix? <clears throat> yeah, five blokes decide to get a flat together, essentially, so that they can use it for their mistresses. Why did you watch that? It had a good cast. You've got Carl Urban, Wentworth Miller, um, the other fella, James <laughs> Marsden. You're being like me today. Yeah, and basically one morning one of them goes in and there's a dead body in the bed. And it's a lady. Yeah, and it's oh, who did it? What happened? And there's a bit of a. It's one of those films where there's so many is it twists. Like Cluedo. A little bit, mm. but there's just so many twists, and it's just like oh, it just didn't need that extra twist, like. And it was just yeah, it just went on too long, even though it was only about an hour and a half. Yep. And then I went to the cinema to see the film Upgrade. So who did this, you go and see that with? On my own. Why? Because I, I was off work on Friday, and I thought Fucking I'd go to the hell. cinema. I will go and see it again. It was fucking amazing. It is up there with Infinity War for my favourite film of the year. Ooh. It's it's a proper throwback to the sort of Robocop, Total Recall, 80s sort of action films. I can't believe you went to see that without me. I didn't know you wanted to see it. Literally, I got up on Friday and I was like, what's on at the cinema? Upgrade, I'll go see that. 
you're not going to talk to me for the rest of the podcast now. Now you know how I felt when you went to see the fucking Meg. But at least I went on my own. <laughs> We're just going to sit here and stew for 20 minutes now, listeners. Um, I mean, I won't go too much into the film because if you say too much, it's a bit of a spoiler. But basically, it's got budget Tom Hardy... Who we were talking about? Who the other is week. Budget Tom Hardy? Logan Marshall Green. I don't know who that is. Uh, he's got a lovely beard in this film. He looks a little bit like Jamie Dornan as well in this film because of the beard. I'll look him up whilst you're talking. Um, so I've his name already. it's set in the future, uh, a sort of undetermined future, and he is like a, a remnant. He he fixes up normal cars, like he's fixing up a Firebird at the start of the film. His wife's got a self-driving car. He basically builds cars to order for people, obviously rich people, because those kind of cars don't exist oh, anymore. Oh, yeah, he does look like Tom Hardy, doesn't he? Yeah, he really, really does. Um, so then him and his wife go and drop off the latest car to this weirdo who's... He's a bit of a Steve Jobs style. He's like the head of this company, and he shows them this new chip that he's developed. Um, and then on the way home, horrendous things happen. I, mean, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say his wife gets murdered and he gets paralysed from the neck down. Um, and then basically from that, this chip that the guy had shown him is something that can repair his body and make him walk again and give him usage. And basically then follows on from there. And obviously the upgrade in the title is about... With that upgrade, is he still him? Is he more machine? There's other people out there that have also had similar upgrades, but obviously he's got to try and keep it under wraps. So as far as the world is concerned, he's quadriplegic. All he can move is his head. And he's obviously... He's got skin? Yeah. Okay. He literally just... They like, put a bot, They shoot him in the back of the head, but it just goes through his spine. So he's got... From the head up... Or from the head, it's fine, but the rest of his body he can't use. So he's sort of almost having to do stuff in secret when he wants to walk around. He has to like park his... Because again, because it's the future, there's lots of drones, people are tagged, so people know where people are even if they can't see them. But the it's quite violent, but as I say, it's got that 80s uber violent feel, like Robocop. It's not gory, there is blood, but it's not like gore for the sake of gore. It's gore to show you how extreme the film is and how extreme the world is. Mm. But I absolutely loved it. it. I think it's about an hour and 45, it felt like it was going on for 20 minutes. It was just whip, it was over. The plot isn't exactly the most complicated thing in the world, but there are a few twists and turns that took me a bit by surprise. So that was nice because quite often as with Leatherface, I guessed it or I don't even realise it's a twist when it's coming. Mm. But no, I've <clears throat> saved five stars for me this film. Really? Absolutely. High praise indeed. If it wasn't for Infinity War, it would be my film of the year by um, a mile. At any point, do they play the song Upgrade You by Beyonce? No, oh. they do not. Mr. Trick there, don't they? They do. Uh, it's also it's directed and written by Lee Winnell, who was who was part of the writing team between for Saw and Insidious. Oh, okay. First Saw. Yeah, the first Saw. The um, good one. He's in Saw as well. He is Adam, the photographer. Okay. Who's chained up. Um, but yeah, no, it's just so good. It's got that say that eighties vibe, mm. sort of the Blade Runner look. Like everything's dark, everything's dingy, mm. everything's broken. But yeah, just the Uber fights. But yeah, absolutely loved it. You got good fight scenes. Yes, the fight scenes. So I don't want to go into it too much as always, but the f- the way the fight scenes are choreographed just really highlight what they're trying to get from it, and it's just just amazing. I to be, to be honest, I wanted to see it because they talked about it on the Commode and Mayo podcast. Oh, did they? Um, and I I. Yeah, I did want to go and see it, so thanks for going to see it without me on no Friday. No worries. Appreciate that. Um, 
Uh, so then there's a couple more I've oh watched. Oh my god. So I've been busy. So I watched an Arrow video, mm. Demons. Oh yeah. Uh, so this is a film where it starts off with someone randomly handing out cinema tickets. a loud tickets. plane going over. Can you hear that? I can hear that, yes. Maybe it's a UFO. Nah, they won't be running petrol engines like that. Um, we might get probed. We can only hope. <laughs> they wouldn't probe you. <laughs> Too much would come out afterwards. Oh, God. <laughs> Be like popping a stretch Armstrong. Just imagine if, uh, imagine if aliens like came down and landed, and you were the person that they decided to probe. Or if they like, were just out there circling, and our podcast was what they heard. <laughs> <laughs> the defence of humanity, which will listen to this podcast. Let's just fucking leave them alone, shall yeah. we? I fucking probe, rude bastards. Like probing that. Um, so yeah, so the cinema tickets being given out. People go to the cinema. What are we talking about now? Demons. Oh yeah. Okay. So they go to the cinema for like a preview screening. Um, and the film is about demons coming to life. And basically, during the course of the film, demons come to life. But everyone, the cinema is somehow now completely bricked in and people can't escape. And it's people trying to escape from these demons. It's all practical effects. It all looks fucking beautiful. Ooh. There's a lovely scene. Do you own where, it? Yeah, I bought, well, you bought it for me. Oh, I can't remember. Um, there's a bit, basically, when they become demons, like their teethy long gait, they get like really sharp nails that pop out. And you see like a proper sort of American werewolf style transformation of someone where you just see everything pop out and I mean it's clearly like models and stuff but mm. it just looks so good to see it. liberal use of blood there's bits where their eyes all glow it's just proper OTT shit horror but for all the right reasons mm. really really enjoyed it and then last but not least oh no sorry two more yeah. uh, I watched Psycho 2 oh yeah which I was I know you want to borrow and you can you can grab that off me so I have seen Psycho, but not for a very long time. Mm. And I don't think that you really need to see everything. You learn everything you need to from the film because it starts with Norman Bates being released, going back to the motel and the house. And the whole film is a sort of, is he still mad? Is his mother actually alive? Is he back in that place where he's going to start killing people? Is someone fucking with him? And it's just really, you don't know until the end what is happening, who it is, what's happening. Um, it's just really, really well acted, very, very like subdued. It's not OTT, but it is very creepy. It is jumpy. Uh, and again, some lovely like um, real effects of like people getting stabbed. You see a knife go right through someone's head. It's the same guy, isn't it? Yeah, it's the same guy who returned. Apparently, they really had to talk him into doing it. At one point, it was going to be a TV, straight-to-TV film because mm. they didn't think he'd come back. And then when he came back, it became a theatrical release. Um, but no, I really, really enjoyed it. Is it black and white? No, it starts off black. It actually starts with the shower scene from Psycho, mm. which apparently at the time got a lot of... like, A lot of critics called it lazy. Mm. It's like, why would you show... But the, I think the whole thing is like to the remind... The actual scene, not recreated? No, the actual scene. Okay. And then it... It follows the camera out and then it just goes into the credits. But I think it's just to remind people of what it was all mm. about. Um, because that murder does obviously play into the film because mm. they, the swamp's in this one and stuff. So, But no, very, very good film. Would heartily recommend it for horror people and non-horror people. Because it's, I think it could be looked at as a horror, but it could also just be looked at as like a psychological thriller. thriller. Yeah, I've always thought of it more as a thriller. Yeah. Psycho, that is. Yeah. Uh, and then last... Last film, I watched Avengers Infinity War because obviously that came out on DVD and Blu-ray last Monday. I, oh yeah, of course it did. I watched that today. I watched all the special features last Monday but obviously it's two and a half hours long and trying to wedge that in around because obviously Gemma wanted to watch it. A lot of these films I watched when Gemma's gone to bed but I had to wait for her. 
still absolutely phenomenal. I just watching it on Blu-ray again, it's just how good. I mean, obviously, if you've listened to the quiz episode, this is Avengers: Infinity War, as Sonya called it. Avengers, the one with the man with the face. Is that how I believe purple you described face, it? Yeah. I, I don't even. I think couldn't remember. Yeah, maybe not purple face. I couldn't remember what it was called, and he's got a big face. He has, and say watching it on Blu-ray, it's just how good he looks. Because obviously, that's Josh Brolin. It's not a nine-foot person with a purple chin. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> it is just with so. Purple chin. It's so phenomenal how good that looks. I'll have to watch it again because we went to the midnight showing didn't we and yeah. you know that I like the, I enjoy these films well enough but I'm just not into them to the yeah. same level that like you and Dan and everyone are and um, everyone's been like so hyped about Infinity War and I'm just like yeah I enjoyed it oh no it's st- st- <laughs> still <laughs> got me in it. the gut still had me cheering um, absolutely love it I seem to remember um, the standout uh, thing for me about it was uh Captain America has a beard, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. That's a lot of people stand out. <sighs> yeah. Capping his beard. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a lovely little bit of banter Sexy where times. him and Thor see each other and Thor's like, oh, I see you copied my beard. But yeah, I think, no. he, I think he out-hots Thor. I've always been more of a Loki girl than a Thor girl anyway, so. Yeah. But yeah, Captain America I mean, it's a, it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Right. And there endeth my uh, weekly watching. That's a big, that's a big load of watching yeah, for say, It's always going to be like that now. I've worked out the download thing with the old Netflix. I didn't know. You didn't realise that. I no. downloaded... Um, what's that uh, police programme? Not the... Th- oh, Line of Duty. I kept thinking... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That's really good. Um, I watched that on I, Well, I started watching it because um, I realised you could download it. So I, I popped my iPad on a treadmill at the gym <laughs> and was watching uh, some of that. Um... I'm but just waiting for them to put series four on, because there's a series yeah, I four. Yeah, I've only watched like series one. Um, no, I really like that program. All right, what's the crack now? So what we're going to do is, so me and Sonia have done, not necessarily top ten, because mine isn't in order. We've got our ten favourite comfort films, and then we've both also done a five TV film TV list, where we can. We've said specific episodes as well for the TV shows. Well, with the TV shows, because what, what when we pulled the topic out of the hat um, last episode, this is Terry's topic, com- comfort films, and he was sort of clear with what he wanted. And when he, we were talking about it, um, I said about TV as well, because there are certain TV things that you watch yeah. over and over, don't you? And f- for me, there are, cer- there are certain episodes of certain things, but for other things, it will oh, yeah, just be... Oh, yeah, some of mine are just a series and some yeah, are episodes. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's not always going to be oh I'll just always stick on this particular TV series for, for some of them it is specifically like I oh, will watch this ep- one episode over and over mm. but then there are other things where it's just like any episode could come on and it would be amazing yeah. um, mm. but we didn't uh, we asked for feedback uh, from you guys this week and but we only asked your feedback on movies the TV thing yeah. just a little thing that we wanted <clears> to do um, so yeah so the other thing we've got is we will have like a top comfort films voted for by the listeners Terry's done a spreadsheet yeah I've, I've wh- whacked he has out to wear his glasses when he yeah, looks I've at it I've got my laptop and I'll have to put my glasses on to, Brilliant. Look at, to look at it but yeah we do have essentially a winner for the best comfort yeah, film yeah I'm excited to find out what it is the, because because I haven't seen it I've, I've no, asked not, not to know you've not seen the spreadsheet so we've had I think in total if you include us 132 films oh, can't wait can't wait 
And the strange um, thing was, we got to about 70 with no crossovers. Yeah, I, I found that like really, really interesting. We had a really late um, list come in, literally about 10 minutes before we started recording. Um, did it change the top placings at all? A tiny bit. Okay, that's fine. I'll go into detail when we get yeah, there, but yeah, it did definitely. have an impact on the top five. That's interesting. It did? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, sweet. So what? how are we going to do it, Terry? Your episode? So, what we... To sort of split it up a bit, so I thought we'd do five of our fil- favourite films each to start comfort, off with. Comfort films. Our fave comfort films, yeah. yeah. And then you can do your top five TV shows, episodes. Then we'll have our break. And then for you, you'll have a whole seven days to wait. And then we'll come oh, back. Oh, you the listener. Yeah, you the listener. Not me. We'll, we'll have seven days. Yeah, I'm going to fuck off for seven days and come back to record the next part. And then for next week, we'll do our other five each I'll do my TV and then we'll talk about everything that the listeners have sent in Sweet. so Sonia um, pick a comfort film and tell us all about it what um, what about the ones that didn't make the list are we going to just quickly we could mention do honourable mentions if you want yeah I'll just very quickly mention um, the ones that didn't make the list because I did play around with this list a little bit um, I think to make sort of like a a top three was easy because my top three favourite films, my top three comfort films anyway, and then to do a top five was easy, and then to do a top ten was a little bit harder, and then you're sort of thinking, oh. Um, Mine was difficult, because I was the one like making the spreadsheet stuff. I kept seeing films go, fuck me, why isn't that on my list? Well, it's interesting, because I thought I had my top ten set, and then um, I was listening to another podcast, and they mentioned a film by an actor, and then it reminded me of another set of films, which I... Is that the late change you made? That's the late change I made. And I was just like, shit, because that film is infinitely more watched. I was surprised when that wasn't originally on your list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just think, how did I, how did I forget Mm. that? But um, especially if you uh, know me well, realise that quite a lot of the things I say, things that you say, I think, from your favourite films or TV shows, aren't they? But it's for us anyway. But also I was talking to... Um, interestingly enough for this episode my both my parents sent lists in as well they which I, I quite enjoyed because I quite wanted to see what their um, lists were and I think I had a crossover with my mum didn't yeah. I um, I can't remember what film it was but you'll tell me um, afterwards. so a lot of these comfort films for me have, have a lot to do with nostalgia my comfort, oh, yeah. my comfort films for the most part are films that I remember loving and watching as a child with either my mum or my dad or both or films that I've um two films on the list are two films that I love watching with my best mate um and you know and they're those films that we quote along to each other so a lot of these films are to do with uh nostalgia uh, but the ones that didn't quite make the list um A Pretty Woman and Dirty, Dirty Dancing which are two films I watch over and over with my mum uh, my mum watches Pretty Woman, I think, every time she does the ironing. <laughs> um, I'm not even joking. I've seen that film so many times. Um, Mad Max 1 and 2, again, didn't... Like, if you'd have asked me to make this list, like, three or four years ago, then Mad Max 1 and 2 probably would have been on the list. Um, and then Chitty Chitty Bang Bang got knocked out at the yeah, top that was 10. The, <clears throat> the last minute um, reducer. So actually, uh, films that we've watched over the last two weeks, I did watch Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It is a film that I watch a lot. I love the soundtrack. Um, I have the soundtrack on my iPod. Um, I find it impossible to watch without and not sing along. And the child catcher is like my spirit animal, like <laughs> definitely. 
Um, I don't think I've ever wanted to be anyone more than the child catcher. I have catcher a funny story about that. So I don't know the name of the child catcher, mm. but he, one of his friends after the film came out was like, my daughter is like so scared of you. Like, can I put, this was on a phone conversation, can I put her on the phone with you? And you can just say like, it's just a character, you don't need to be scared. And he's like, of course, put her on the phone. When she took over the phone, he put on the voice Amazing. and basically stayed in character and shat her up even more. Yeah, I'd totally do that as well. Um, see, I never found the child catcher scary. I find him very creepy. Um, yeah, I can kind of see that. I find, I, I find Benny Hill uh, more creepy, <laughs> to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't find it creepy. I mean, like I say, it just dropped out of my top ten um, only because there's a film in my top ten that I've that I've probably watched more. Um but I, I, I really, really love Chitty G Bang Bang. Um, absolutely love it. But anyway, so my my top 10 um, uh, comfort movies, these are probably my number six to 10. Uh, and I probably don't really need to tell you much about what they're about. Um, my first one would be Grease. Um, Never heard of it. Because uh, it's, it's, it's fucking Grease. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't really know what to say. Um, Grease is the word. Yeah, I mean... I just think it's like I know the storyline is a little bit fucking iffy and all of that but again it's another you probably guessed from my list as well I quite like the musicals um, I, I love the story I love the look I love the music um, it's just I just really really love it um, I will say this though um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang has got a better flying car at the end of the movie than Grease has the, the flying car in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang makes sense um, I I always um, really loved Rizzo the best. Um, she was always my favourite. I always wanted to be her. Um, I, I just really, really love it. And the end bit when Sandy come, turns up in all that like tight, hot the stuff. The stuff had to be stitched into. Oh my God. Um, it's just such a great film. I just absolutely love it. I saw it recently at the cinema because that's had a, a 4K restoration. Is it like um, an anniversary? Because they seem to be knocking yeah. about together a lot. I've seen a lot of Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta together. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. He looks horrible. He's, he's got like a beard, but it does not... Because he's quite chinny, isn't he? does not suit him. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's an anniversary. I, did Grease come out in 78? I don't. I shall have a look while you continue. I've got a feeling a song from Greece, and I may have just revealed my age there. A song from Greece was number one when I was born. Terry's going to Google that, but yeah. So Greece. Seventy-eight. It did come out. Seventy-eight. Yeah. Um, I've got a feeling when Terry's talking, I'll find out what song was number one when I was born. I've got a feeling it's a song from Greece. You know, another one that I've got the soundtrack to. I just, I just love it. It's one of those things. Well, for most of the, well, all of these films, if they come on the telly. I will watch them even though I own them. It's one of those ones where even if it comes on and it's on a fucking channel with adverts, I still sit and watch it. Oh, no, if it. that happens, I go and get the DVD and put it on. Uh, sometimes I'm too lazy. Yeah. Yeah, you've met me. Um, so, yeah, Grease is my first one. Um, I'd be very surprised mm. if that wasn't... In, if no listener suggested that as well but don't spoil it and tell me alright um, just one to say the one thing for Greece that I would always be eternally grateful for it's something that makes me laugh all the time Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta did an album what 10 years ago now like a what, Christmas, like Christmas album. album and I don't know who did it but it was just called like Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta sing the Christmas hits someone did a photoshop where they put a screaming corpse <laughs> 
<laughs> on the front cover. And it was just Olivia Newton-John, John Frost, and a screaming corpse, corpse in the background. Yeah. And every year that pops up on my type up, and every year I have a little cry laughing. We'll maybe to, maybe um, I'll pop that on the story yeah, on we'll the Insta because we'll honestly, that, yeah. it's the, it's just so perfect. It's, it's just, just so ridiculous, isn't it's, it? It's just just my cup of tea. Like a mummified corpse, isn't it? Yeah, it's properly screaming. Yeah. <laughs> Proper lols. Um, uh, I don't technically think we have Greece to thank for that. But anyway. Well, if it wasn't for the two of them being together. They might have been together anyway. You never know. Um, and then next on my list is Mary Poppins. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Love it, love it, love it. Again, I've got the soundtrack. I know the words to all the songs. Um, I prefer Dick Van Dyke in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Um, Did you doing a, an accent in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? No. He is doing his own accent. Um, although I do think his character in Mary Poppins is brilliant. Obviously parodied brilliantly by The Simpsons a number of times. You've got uh, Willie, groundskeeper Willie, mm-hmm. um, doing the whole um, you know one-man band thing. And then the, the whole episode with Sherry Bobbins. Did you yeah. say Mary Poppins? No, I most certainly did not. Um, it's, it's, again, it's just a really lovely story. I mean, the kids are like super fucking posh, I, you know which I love it's just the oh it's just it's just so magical I just absolutely love it again if it will come on the telly I will watch it this is another film I watch with my mum over and over um I I love Julie Andrews Mm -hmm. she's just you've talked before of your love I do love Julie Andrews um Mary Poppins is an absolute joy do I need to do I need to be saying what these films are about yeah and why they're special to you the thing that's always confusing with Mary Poppins is the random captain who's like firing cannonballs off his roof he's just a mad old neighbour isn't he I mean you'd be calling the police on that in this day and age wouldn't you the, um, so if, if you if you have been living in a cave or under a rock for your entire life Mary Poppins is a, a nanny and she looks after these kids and um, she's basically like she's looking after the kids but she's basically bring it to, bringing the whole family yeah, together fixing, and the family. fixing the family yeah exactly that it's got these scenes where it's like part animation as well so I remember them um, being magical when I was a kid yeah so the the chalk drawings on the street they can jump into the drawings um, you know and they're on the um, it, it's, it's just amazing it's just it's, it's just one of my favourite like childhood films and I could just watch it over and over um, yeah I just absolutely love it that had it I've got an anniversary edition of that um, I think on DVD and it looks amazing and my anniversary edition is quite old because mm. the cover's faded um, so it must be coming up for another big anniversary soon Probably. I reckon um, but yeah that's the, an old one they made a film of the making of didn't they with Tom yeah. Hanks and Emma Thompson which apparently yeah. is nowhere near the truth to what actually happened um, what, um, what Saving Mr Banks yeah yeah it's okay she's the um, I, I enjoyed it as a film but reading yeah. about it there was like this isn't what happened and this didn't yeah. happen and that didn't happen um, so yeah that's that okay. and then to go off on a slightly um, in a different direction uh, possibly my most watched film ever in the history of films uh, is Fury Road um, I mean you literally went through a spell of watching it daily I think didn't you yeah I did um what do I say about Fury Road? So, I love Mad Max. Um, Mad Max 1 and 2 nearly made my list. I've grown up with Mad Max. Had it not been for Fury Road, would one of those two be on the list? Um, no, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang probably would have stayed in the list. Um, only because 
I watched I watched Mad Max one and two. Yeah, they're comfort films. Um, but like, if I watch something like Chitty Bang Bang or Mary Poppins, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know how to describe it. I kind of almost feel like Mad Max one and two are too good. They're almost like my best films as opposed yeah. to my comfort. If we were to do a top ten of the best films, then I'd have Mad Max one and two in. But yeah, I've grown up with Mad Max because um, my dad was a big fan when we were younger. Um, and he still is a big fan. Um, so I watched them a lot when I was a kid. And then when Fury Road came out, it was quite a big thing. And um, I remember you being very anxious going to see it. I was, I, was, I was literally anxious going in to watch it because I didn't really know what to expect. And um, I remember going to see it. And I think I went to see it in 3D, first of all, because it was the first showing I could get to. Um, because I ended up going to the cinema, I think, five times to see it, because I think I went 3D, flat. We saw it twice together, because yeah. we went to London to see it in um, black and white, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did 3D, flat, flat again, black and white, um, and then all four together at um, Prince Charles. Um, I went. To, we went to see Black and Chrome at Prince Charles, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and I the first so the first time I went to see it, and I came out of the cinema, and I was, I, I I'll, I'll come out and say Tom Hardy as Max is just one of the most throwaway performances. Like it's it's all about Furiosa. I don't I don't care about Tom Hardy as Max at all. Um, but I, and I didn't because of that. I didn't really know what to make of it because I yeah, didn't. You were love, very unsure. I didn't know what to make of Tom Hardy as Max, and and I rung my dad. I was actually just like I was genuinely upset because I was just kind of like I don't, I, I don't know what I've just watched. And my dad was just like, "Did you enjoy it?" And I was just like, "I don't. I didn't love Max." And my dad was just like, "Go and just watch it as a film. Don't watch it as a Mad Max film." And because then I just went and watched it again and my dad was just like what were your feelings coming out of it I was like oh, I fucking love it but and I probably loved it the first time but I just didn't know what I just didn't love Max <laughs> and he was just like yeah just forget about Max um and so yeah I saw it many times at the cinema and then I and then it came out and I I did go through a phase just every day I would get in from work and just put Fury Road on and I just loved having it, it was so colourful um, it is a beautiful, beautiful I, film. It's, it's so colourful. I feel like a post-apocalyptic film. The colour is just incredible. And Furiosa, you know how I feel about Charlize anyway. Yeah. But her character is so like strong and amazing. I just I just loved having it on. I just, everything about it, the whole, you know, just it's just non-stop action. I just absolutely loved it. And it got to the point where my boyfriend at the time would like come home and he'd be like, please, can you turn that fucking thing <laughs> off? I think I went something like 70 odd days where I played it like every day. And then they released it in black and chrome as well. And I absolutely refused to call it black and white. It is black and chrome. And I was just like, oh my God, can it be any better? And it looks amazing in black and chrome mm, as well. I watched it, because um, uh, I did watch uh, Fury Road um, as part of this. And I watched it with um, uh, super fan rich and I said to him have you ever seen the black and chrome version and we watched it in black and chrome and it, he said as well he goes it does actually mm. it adds like a whole other thing it looks amazing in colour and black and chrome um, so Fury Road without a shadow of a doubt is my most watched film ever I've probably seen it probably coming up to like 
I would say easily, we're probably coming up to like a hundred viewings of it, which is just ridiculous. And when I watched it again the other day, I was just like, it still looks amazing. Um, I love it. Got a lot of love for Fury Road. Do you like it? Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's amazing. I just think, like you say, the colours, when they're doing like that, there's like big wide shots of that truck being chased by that caravan and they're firing yeah, off yeah, those yeah. like colourful rocket things. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's... Because I... I enjoy Mad Max films and obviously we went to go and see it and you were very much <laughs> and I was just like oh I'll be right. that's uh, that, that just sounded weird excitable yeah like a dog waiting for a treat <laughs> thanks um, and yeah I came out of it I loved it from the get go because there was no sort of comparison for me it wasn't mm. a did I love Max it was just I mean I've not got any beef with Tom Hardy I agree that it is Furiosa's film mm. you could you could take Tom Hardy out of it and yeah, I yeah. think it'd be fine you don't even need the Max character mm. um, but no I think it's a great film yeah love it um, and then one of the film that um, pushed Chitty Chitty Bang Bang out um, is Men in Black 2 <laughs> on my absolute fucking guilty pleasure so I love the Men in Black films absolutely love them um, but we decided that we wouldn't we wouldn't have like whole franchises no, only one film only one film and Men in Black 2 is easily my most watched of the Men in Black so me and my best mate Rich um, the, this film and the next film I'm going to talk about we watch these films over and over and over and on Friday Rich came round and he was in one room talking to Lucy about the film and I was in another room talking to the other Richard about the film and we were talking about exactly the same scene and quoting the exact same bit at the same time which is the bit where they get flushed Yeah. and Will Smith's just like hey you remember in the old days you were like flush me Jay flush me and I'd be like nah <laughs> it was just like so stupid but we just love 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 um, watching Men in Black 2 because Frank makes it amazing as well the pug. I, yeah I think the reason that Men in Black 2 probably edges it is just the characters are just so amazing um, when you got Tommy Lee Jones working at the post office yeah two is where it's Jay getting Tommy Lee Jones back yeah, into it isn't it and basically getting his memory back and, and Frank's his partner for a while and you got um, I, c- I can't remember her name her name's went out of my head playing Zelina uh, the one with the long fingers um, what's her face from Twin Peaks what the fuck can't I remember her name anyway um, and it's uh, yeah I just absolutely love it I love all three Men in Black films I did watch Men in Black 1 as well and I started to watch Men in Black 3 which has got Josh Brolin doing a fantastic oh, he's a, turn so good, yeah. as a young Tommy Lee Jones you can believe that you have gone back in time and you're watching Tommy Lee Jones it's younger. just like the facial tics and everything isn't it? he's just everything. nailed it he has nailed it so so well um, and I just think um, I, I love all three um absolutely love them but Men in Black 2 is my absolute fave and it's one that I can watch over and over um, love it love it love it um, and then the final one of my uh, first five um, is Austin Powers Goldmember um, again I've gone for Goldmember based purely on the amount of times I've seen it if I've seen Fury Road the most amount of times Goldmember is probably just under there is that number three? Goldmember's the third one yeah. yeah the one with Beyonce in it um, again I love all three I think all three Austin Powers movies are fantastic if you look at my letterbox all my comfort movies have got five out of five um, and I did re-watch the whole trilogy oh, I watched them in reverse so I've watched three, two, one. <laughs> um 
Um, I just, <laughs> with Goldmember, um, again, there's a lot of things that I quote. When I went back and watched uh, all three, the second one, if I'm honest, is probably my favourite. Mm. Um, and it's definitely the one that I quote the most. Two got Fat Bastard in it. Yeah, he's he turns up in the third one as well. Yeah. But he's made um, in the second one. Yeah. Because um, that's the one with Heather Graham in it, the second yeah. one. Um, but it, Austin Powers, uh, the second one, is the reason why I always write movie with three M's. Because Austin goes, I'm going to go and watch a movie. And when me and Rich talk about watching a movie, we always say it like that. And we're normally going to watch Austin Powers. But I, the reason I think we watch Goldmember over and over was A, because Beyonce was hilarious in it. But Mini Me is so funny in it as well. And the mm. fights between... Because there's a really good fight between Austin and Mini Me in the second one. But the fight's just going like next level in the second one. And then Mini Me changes sides and, and joins the good guys but he's just treated so badly um, and it's just so so funny like the scenes where um, there's only one they, they have to go in disguise there's only one outfit so Austin goes hmm one of us is going to have to stand on the other shoulders so Austin stands on Minnie Me's shoulders <laughs> so that makes, you know the whole scene where he's like the, <clears throat> the sailor um, and there's other scenes where um, Minnie Me has to like go down a chute and he flies out the end of the chute and just like whacks into the wall and stuff and it's just he's just treated so badly but it's so funny obviously you know rest in peace Ben Choy, but yeah um, yeah Goldmember is hilarious I think all three Austin Powers if, if we could have whole franchises and whole yeah. trilogies I'd have all three Men in Blacks and I'd have well certainly one and two but I'd definitely have all three Austin Powers but if I had to pick one I'm gonna go with Goldmember based purely on the amount of times I've seen it it is majestic majestic eh yeah it's gold it's solid gold um, and that's it there's my first five um, comfort movies I very much enjoyed watching Three of those again. I didn't watch Mary Poppins. I've seen Grease recently, so I went to sit, re-sit at the cinema. I was going to watch Mary Poppins today, but I watched another one of my comfort movies instead. Nice. It's been a good couple of weeks for movies. <clears throat> are you going to Are you going to tell us uh, what yours are now? Yeah. So I'll do my five. I'm going to start with some notable mentions, which I completely agree with you. Most of mine are nostalgia. It's taken me back to when I was a kid, and a few of these are ones that that didn't make the list. Are ones that I still think of fondly but I don't watch them that often anymore and it's not a case of like repeat watching so Willow is a film that I absolutely loved as a kid mm. just amazing film Harry and the Hendersons possibly. I don't think I've seen that no so it's one that I have very vivid memories of watching with my mum my dad and my two sisters it's almost like the family film it's like oh let's all watch a film and it would be Harry and the Hendersons Labyrinth Absolutely, I actually mm. wore a VHS out of Labyrinth when I was wow. younger. It actually stopped working. Um, Pitch Black is a film I absolutely love. I mean, it would. I don't. I think it didn't make my list just because it's probably not a comfort film. It's just a film I really enjoy. Mm. And then I got Jason the Argonauts and Clash of the Titans. Obviously, the original Clash of the Titans. I love all that Ray Harryhausen stop motion shit. Um, so any of those films really. The Greatest Showman I've got on this list as well because okay. I absolutely love that film now but I don't know that it could make a top 10 because it's just so new Yeah. but it does it does put a smile on my face I listen to the soundtrack probably at least once a week if not more Yeah. Uh, the Giver 
which is a very very shit film but Don't i've seen that either i watched it again recently so it's on arrow blu-ray now and i mm. bought it and it's like it's a live action film based on a japanese anime and it's fucking balls to the wall mental and i don't know what my parents were doing letting me watch it because i was watching it like at the age of 10 and it's like 15 and it's a solid 15 there is blood and guts everywhere but yeah it's just it takes me back to that childhood moment and then last is mean machine obviously we've spoken before about it because it came up on the state and yeah this is one of the few films that i've watched twice in a day wow so i didn't see it at the cinema i bought it on dvd i think in a two for 15 deal with pitch black actually and i watched it watch something else and then I watch Mean Machine again because I just enjoyed it so much and mm. it's a film that I do watch a lot I'll throw on just in the background because it's probably not a brilliant film but there's like four or five things in it that I love watching over and over again so I'll just make sure that I come back for that particular thing to happen yeah yeah um, so they're, they're the nearlies so mine aren't really in an order but I've split them into fives now so first up I'll go for Phantom of the Opera you fucking love I that, love don't you? Of the, I love I sh- love your love of it I love the show more than the film but I can't put the show on here because it's not a film um, so the film stars Gerard Butler as the Phantom it's got Emmy Rossum in it I mean for me it's the soundtrack obviously you, has it you, got um, what's her face with the big face Mini Driver oh yeah I have seen it then <laughs> yeah she plays Carlotta the soprano um, and obviously it's about the Phantom that of the um, opera of the opera populaire in Paris um, where he's controlling things from the background um, what is her name Emmy Rossum's character what's that? what is it it's Phantom what's her name I don't know why have I forgotten the main it. character's name uh, but he's in love with her and he's trying to bring her onto like his side you've got Raoul who's played by Patrick Wilson who's like the the handsome hero who's trying to lure her, trying to keep her on the side of good uh, and it's just the songs, music of the night is. Mm. I don't know if it is anymore because I don't use my iPod much anymore. I use my iPhone, but it was the most listened to song that was on my iPod Classic. Bloody hell! By a long stretch compared to everything else, I just I prefer the film version to the because I've got the live album as well, and it's just a bit goes the notes are held a bit too long for me. In the soundtrack to the film, obviously they're not brilliant singers, so it's much more crisp. Um, but no, I absolutely love Phantom of the Opera. It's it's quite dark. I mean, a lot of these films, there's a dark edge to some of these. Um, but it's just, the music is amazing. It's very, very sing-alongable. The songs are amazing. So the, the actual film itself is not brilliant, but I go back to it because of the soundtrack. Um, I would rather watch the show than the film, but mm. the film is a film that I go to just because I love, I love it. Yeah. I love your love of Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Never never done it as dress up though, which you think I would do because it's quite an easy lazy one to do and it just a bit of a Yeah. One thing that's always annoyed me with Phantom of the Opera actually. So obviously I've seen the show and I've bought merchandise. He obviously wears half a mask because hmm. half of his face. All of the merchandise is a full mask. Even like the pitch if you Google Phantom of the Opera, like the hmm. outside the theatre, it's a full mask. I've never noticed like that. Both halves. It's not the mouth, but it's both eyes. Because I bought, um, I went to a masquerade ball uh, a few years back for a friend's thirtieth, and I, uh, I sent Craig as Phantom of the Opera because he's he's got a really big head, so I couldn't <laughs> get um, a, a mask to fit him. And I thought, well, if I get get Phantom of the Opera, it's just half a mask. Yeah. Um, and that was half a mask. I just got that off eBay for yeah. like a quid. 
No, I say, I think it's just, in all of the marketing, it's it's a double-sided mascot. Do you want to know what I went as? Was that when you were Billy? No, that was for Halloween. Oh. Uh, I went as old Greg. Oh, of course you did. Yeah. I've got fish hooks stuck in fucking everything. They're really sharp. They are. After some reason, I thought it would be a good idea to cover my jacket in them. Well, because I thought I was old Greg. But yeah, sharp. Are you using barbed or barbless? I don't know. Barbed have a little barb on them so that when they get in they're hard to get out I don't know barbers will just slip in I, d- I don't, I don't want to start talking about fish eggs um, uh, so next moving up, on then <laughs> so the next one is a film that properly transports me back to my toilet so it's a film called Dark Man have you never even heard of it so it's directed by Sam Raimi it stars Liam Neeson and Francis McDormand <laughs> and basically Sam Raimi wanted to make the film I forget it's a, a superhero film where he has like a hat and a coat that he puts up the shadow i think it might be called Mm. but he couldn't get permission to make it so he wrote his own superhero character okay played by liam neeson he's like a scientist who's developing fake skin for prosthetics for people that have obviously been involved in horrible accidents francis mcdormand is his partner oh no they talk about getting married so just his partner who is a lawyer she becomes in possession of a document that proves that her boss is like in bed with the mafia essentially the boss finds out and sends the boys to get the the document, the memorandum, as it is mm. constantly called. And it's in Liam Neeson's lab. They basically smash the place, kill his assistant, think they've killed him. They drown him in acid, but he survives. And basically, he's in so much pain because his hands have been set on fire, his face has been set on fire. The building explodes, he's sent miles into the distance. They do an operation where they basically sever his nerves so that mm. he can't feel anything. But essentially, that makes him super strong because he can't. He doesn't know he can't lift something because his body's not telling him he can't. And the whole episode has given him such rage. He goes into these fits of rage where he can do anything, and he's like throwing cars around and stuff. But in the film, because it's in the eighties, it's all very practical. It's got a very Evil Dead sensibility. There's clearly bits where where his his hands melt because he's holding onto these electrodes. It's clearly wax melting, like you get in the mm. Evil Dead films. And then, so basically, he then restarts his research because obviously he's now got his face is completely mutilated. So he wants to rebuild, get his skin working so that he can create himself a mask. He gets to the point where the mask will last 99 minutes. So basically, the film is him going out in these random masks for 99 minutes at a time, trying Mm. to find the people that killed him and get his vengeance, whilst also trying to rebuild his relationship with Francis McDormand. So there's bits where he's himself, there's bits where he's everyone in this gang. Um, but it's just so ridiculously over the top. Someone gets like their head run over and it like explodes. Someone gets thrown out of a window. Someone's got a prosthetic leg that doubles as a gun. It's just so stupid. It sounds like, um, oh, what's that film? Dark Man. No, with the leg with a gun. Uh, the, the leg that's a gun oh planet terror there we go yeah it's not quite like that <laughs> it looks like a leg because they sort of get into a place it's like oh yeah no one's got a gun and they shoot up the place because they just pick up his leg and it becomes a gun it doesn't look like a gun it looks like a leg mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's just ridiculous it's got all of like the proper 80s action cliches in it like the boss is the bad guy there's lots of double crossing in it but it's just so shit it's brilliant and I love it this is one that I rewatched and in the rewatch found out that the disc is highly scratched and I need to get a new copy oh um, but it's just say, say saying it now Francis McDormand Liam Neeson Sam Raimi 
you just wouldn't if I then showed you the film you wouldn't guess that mm. it's not a Francis McDormand film apparently she had a terrible time making it she didn't enjoy working with San Raimi uh, the Coen brothers apparently did a pass on the script as well which I'm assuming is how potentially she got involved mm. um, but it's just it's got another Raimi in it his brother who's obviously there's always normally a Raimi in the film and Bruce Campbell has a very small cameo right at the end he wanted him to play the dark man but the studio was like fuck off he's just been in all your other films we want a bankable star and they, they thought Liam Neeson was a bankable star it didn't do very well but it has got two shit sequels which I also love but the first one is just are they just called Dark Man 2 and 3 they've got subtitles but yeah mm. it's dark because I've got it as a trilogy box set I've never even heard of it honestly if you have a Google or oh, an IMDB it's just his face is, he's got like no lips he's just got teeth it looks a bit sort of like Hayden Christensen when he turns into Vader that mm. sort of but practical, not shit CG. But yeah, I just... And you were watching this as a kid? As my parents no clearly you, had no, no one care... No you turned out the way you have. <laughs> it's just pop him in front of the telly, he'll be fine. It's me watching Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching uh, Darkman, The Giver. But yeah, it's just... I'm surprised it hasn't had some sort of reboot because it's ripe for it because mm. it's... Obviously, it's a property that Sam Raimi essentially owns because he created the character. Yeah. It's, it, there's elements, say, of The Shadow and other people, but I don't see why... Because he hasn't really made a film for a while. Why doesn't knock out Darkman 4 and just reboot it all? You could even have Liam Neeson in it or someone else. Just have a little tweak. But absolutely, I would recommend it. I would give it four out of five. It's actually a film that I still think is good, but I know it's a little bit shit, but it doesn't I'll give matter, it, does I'll it? I'll give it a watch. Oh, so I would lend it to you, but the disc's fucked. Um, I'll, borrow, I'll borrow it when you bought a new one. Yeah. I want to get it on Blu-ray, but you can only get a trilogy Blu-ray, and I don't think the other two warrant it. If I could get it on its own on Blu-ray, I would. Uh, so then next up, I'll go through this one. This one I don't really need to talk about. Commando, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Tidy. Yeah. yeah. Don't, if you want to hear about that, go back to the Arnie pod, because I talk about that in some great links. But again, it's just so fucking shit. It's brilliant. So many one-liners. Absolutely love it. And then... Do you not want to treat us to uh, one of your Arnie impressions? <sighs> Dodwig, my friend, he's dead tired. It's not my favourite quote, but it's the first one that popped into my head. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> uh, so then this is a little bit of a left field. A few people I've talked to about at work about this, where I've been trying to get their input, they've said, that can't be a comfort film. Freddy versus Jason. Why can't it be a comfort film? Because they were just like, because it's a horror film, because it's a slasher film, that can't be a comfort film. But I nearly had Candyman on my list. I'm surprised you... Because you don't really have like an out-and-out horror on your list, do you? No. Um, no, but Candyman did nearly... I feel differently about horror. Yeah. So for me, this isn't really like a horror. This is like a shitty slasher. Yeah. But are you excited for the, slightly off the, the Candyman special edition that Arrow are putting out soon? Yeah. I fucking love Candyman. That looks so good, that box set. I really love Candyman. What would be even more amazing is if you opened the box and bees came out. Arrow, if you're listening. Yeah. Get involved on that. Bees. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Freddy vs. Jason. Again, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before because I've watched it in the weekly roundup, but it's just, it's Freddy Krueger, it's Jason Voorhees. Freddy has disappeared because everyone's forgotten about him. So he brings Jason Voorhees back to life and sends him to Elm Street to kill people so that people start thinking about the killer and hopefully it will give him his power because his power is brought from people's fear of him. So the mm. idea is that Jason will kill people, people will start talking about Freddy again, he'll get his power. Yeah. This is what happens, but then Jason won't stop, so then it becomes Freddy versus Jason because Freddy is trying to stop him killing the kids that he wants to be able to yeah. kill. 
and it's just it's so it's slapstick to a degree it's just but also as well because we're such big horror fans the fact that two like massive horror icons come together as well yeah makes perfect sense to me that this would be a comfort movie because it's just because none of it's I mean it's not jump scary there's some shit CG in it where Freddy becomes like a caterpillar or something like Mm. that but you've got Robert I think this might be Robert Englund's last go as Freddy I'm assuming because there wasn't another one after that was it the next one was the shitty reboot so you get like proper Freddy with all his cackling one liners and Jason just being a hunk of like skin basically just cutting people hunk of skin yeah just cutting people up there's like you get to see sort of the weaknesses of Jason because Freddy obviously wants to try and break him but he can't just outright kill him because he's Jason Voorhees and it's just yeah just so many ridiculous people literally getting cut clean in half with a machete people getting pinned to a wall with a machete people in like Freddy's like bunker or boiler room it's just yeah I just like genuinely for years before me and Jem lived together this was the film that I wrapped Christmas presents to mm, lovely I'd like pop it on and then I'd just obviously again I'd look up for the certain kills that I wanted to see mm. or the certain little scenes have a lovely old time yeah um, sounds magical so then I've said that one so then the last one of my bottom five is Speed amazing I remember having this on video so watched it to death I had this on video I used to borrow it off an uncle to the point where he bought it for me because he never had it because I was always borrowing it. It was one of my first DVD upgrades. I can remember getting it in a cardboard oh, foldy sleeve nice. with the chapter list. Yeah. Uh, and it like the special one of the special features was moving menus or mm. animated menus. But it's just. Please tell me you've still got that cardboard version. Yes, but I've also got a Steelbook Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I've still got the cardboard version. I couldn't. So I'm pretty sure that might even be like my first DVD when I got the player. When I paid about ninety quid for the DVD player. Um, is this the film that started your love of Keanu Reeves? I mean, it might have been, but it might not have been. We'll see what comes up later on. Okay, then. Um, it's the one that started my love of Sandra Bullock. <laughs> I think it started a lot of people's love of Sandra. Uh, Bullock. I mean, I'd almost call this film my sexual awakening because. Oh God. <laughs> You've got Sandra, you've got Keanu, who Keanu is my number one man, as everyone will know if you've listened to this podcast before. But again, it's just so shit. But this film isn't shit because it's shit. It's the concept. It's so high concept. You've got a bus. It's hit 50. It can't go below 50 or it'll explode. That's the sort of film that you can get on board with really quickly. And the fact that they just... You can tell that Sandra Bullock, Keanu, and Dennis Hopper, who's obviously playing the villain, are like on board with it. Mm. And I feel like that's what helped films sometimes. You could have got another actor who thought, no, this is a serious action film. Like, I'm going to like create my career on this film. And they take it too seriously. Whereas, I'm not saying Keanu's not taking it seriously. Possibly can't take it too seriously with, with his limits as an actor. <laughs> <laughs> I love him, but I know he can't act massively. Um, but it's just, I think the the chemistry between Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves is amazing. Obviously, they've done a few films since. But it's just stupid action. Like, the jump the bus does that it clearly would not make in a million years. They would have plummeted to their death. And as they were slowly dying, the bus would have exploded because it had gone under 50 miles an hour. Mm. There's some amazing stuff on the freeway where they're just weaving in and out of cars. One of my favourite scenes is where Jack gets onto the bus where he commandeers that convertible off the off the black dude with the dreadlocks. And the guy's like, oh, be careful with my car, be careful with my car. 
Jack knocks the fucking door off and at this point the guy's just like do what you fucking want <laughs> and then he drives into like the central reservations whilst going oh shit oh shit oh shit for years that's something I would just say as a kid just oh shit oh shit little little quote that I picked up from it but <laughs> it's just flush me Jay flush me <laughs> it's just so stupid a concept that it just works so the second one is dog shit I remember mm. going to see that with my mum at the cinema and it was just like what have they done there was it, just no need there was no need it didn't have Keanu because he realised it was going to be shit they got Jason Patrick or someone in who was a bit of a Keanu Jason like, Patrick yeah. yeah a bit of a Keanu were like um, but yeah I just everything that could go wrong goes wrong for Jack and Annie and it's just it's a joy to behold I absolutely love it I've yeah. watched it. my wife also loves it so it is a film that I still watch quite regularly because it's just because again I say you just turn off your brain you just enjoy the two beautiful people on the screen I haven't watched it I haven't watched it in a while actually but yeah I used to have it on video and I really really loved it it's just oh, it's just fantastic film cool have you done five I feel like you've done four no I've done Phantom Speed Darkman Commando and Freddy I, Commando was a quick one wasn't it because oh, we yeah, talked about that in length before yeah yeah so that's my 10 to 6 essentially but I say mine aren't really in any great order although I think my number 1 is my clear number 1 but the rest are pretty interchangeable so let's move on to TV then Son oh god yeah Do totally you forgot talk us through your top 5 TV series and p- potentially separate episodes that might come a part of that um yeah okay well I'll, I'll these aren't really in order but I think my number 1 is my number 1 um my th- the, <laughs> the first <laughs> The first one, I forgot I was doing this, that's why I feel a bit flustered. Um, the Young Ones, for me, um, is something that I uh, just watch over and over. Um, and I can put any episode on and will love it. Um, I've I've said before, I've, I always desperately wanted to be Vivian. So this is something you, you watch... Um, I'm always surprised at stuff you watch as a kid. I remember watching this when I was at um, junior school. Cause I remember going in and we had to do some kind of like drama class and I think I recreated a scene from the young ones where Vivian's got a hangover and to try and cure his hangover he's banging his head against the wall <laughs> and my teacher was just like what have you been letting your daughter watch um because I thought I was Vivian um I've al- I always wanted to be Vivian but I know I'm a Rick um <laughs> I know and I accept that now Rick Mail's my comedy hero anyway um I love the young ones. I couldn't pick a favourite episode. I think they're all amazing. Well, it was your have... specialist subject, wasn't it, in the quiz? It was, and I was annoyed that um, I forgot one of the answers and one of the one of the questions. I just totally assumed the wrong thing. Um, I yeah, they only ever made two series, so it's something that I could probably easily, you know, you got the two DVDs, you could probably easily put one on and let all six episodes play out. Um, yeah, absolutely love it. Um, another one which is like a whole series that I could um, sit and watch and this goes back to my childhood well the young ones goes back to my childhood but this is the old um, Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe um, oh god yeah the BBC one that the BBC did yeah Um, which was one of the very first um, DVDs I bought Um, yeah that was one of the very first DVDs I bought I was desperate to re-watch it um, as an adult so when it came out I got it uh, straight away and I I still, I probably watch it again like at least once a year. Mm. And it probably doesn't sound like a lot, but considering that, you know, when it's a TV series, yeah, and it's 
Um, and it's it reminds me as well of a box of delights which I watch every Christmas as well. Um, it's got a very sort of like similar feel to it. The you know the effects are, are naff, um, but the characters are very sweet. The, the kids are very um, uh, like know it all yeah. type of kids, and they're quite like annoying. But at the same time, there's something really, especially the Lucy character. Uh, with like her big teeth and her sort of insistence that she's been to this magical land and obviously you all know the story of Lion Witch in the Wardrobe but I just really still find it really charming and even though it was for kids and it's old now I still think it looks and feels really good and um, and I remember really um, wanting to try Turkish Delight oh that's one of my when you say yeah. that I think of Turkey, that box of Turkish yeah, Delight yeah, so the big on, cubes of it um I can't, I can't remember the brother's name um, when he sat there with the uh, Edmund isn't it oh yeah Edmund and he sat there and she's like you can have anything you want and he says Turkish Delight and I was like mum mum can I have some Turkish Delight I hated it I, think oh, I love Turkish oh, Delight oh it's dreadful smells awful horrible texture I prefer the fries that's got chocolate around it as opposed <sighs> to the cubes but no absolutely awful so I could, again I could I could watch that all day long I absolutely love it um slight change attack um and something bringing us up to current day even though this is incredibly new to me i've watched this episode countless times and it's the mumps episode of brooklyn 99 what a surprise that this has cropped up on your list i've i don't think i've ever laughed quite so much this is normally my getting home drunk putting something on um like go-to thing i i think it's hilarious um Again, when I was when I was living with someone, he watched the whole of Brooklyn Nine Nine before I even knew what was going on. And even though I'd never watched an episode, he called me in to watch these. He's like, just like you won't, you don't know these characters, you don't know anything, but you've got to watch this episode because you will laugh at it. And when they get they get the mumps and they've actually like got physically got the lumps on their throats and they give them names and it's just so stupid. The whole episode is so so stupid. Obviously, I watched Brooklyn Nine Nine a lot and I could don't mention it much though. and I could class the whole series probably now as like a comfort show that I would just put on but if I'm honestly like if I'm honest if I was gonna seek out an ep- I would I would seek out and put on the mumps episode um I urge anyone to watch it it's very very yeah, funny I need, I need to crack on with it again. um and and the same with the next show that I'm gonna say yeah I could probably put on and watch you know, if, if it was to be on now, I'd sit and watch any episode that came on. But if I was to sit and seek out an episode, one of my favourite TV episodes of all time, and I stand by my statement, which I made ages ago, which is, I think this is one of the finest things ever put to film ever. And it's the Once More With Feeling episode of Buffy. Um, it's so well done. The songs are so well crafted. Do you like um, a musical by any chance? Yeah, <laughs> I do love a musical. Um the the songs are so well crafted um i i think i i I did hear the soundtrack to this first it was actually um lucy we were actually baking um she was teaching me how to make cakes and um she was playing this and i was like what's this and she said oh it's a musical episode of buffy and so i started listening to the soundtrack and then actually watched it and you were able to buy this as like a standalone dvd um so you could just buy this one individual episode and i remember having the episode and then as well as owning the Buffy series anyway but having this one particular episode and just putting it on over and over and you know you were talking about your most played songs 
um, Rest in Peace, uh, which Spike sings, is one of my most played songs. Is on that my why you iPod. had such a love of Spike? Um, no, I just like Spike because you know he's a he's a man and he's got a head, um, so he you know <laughs> and a face meets my criteria. Um, but and he can actually sing. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I just thought I just thought that was just my favourite song from the episode. Um, yeah, and that was one of my most played um, songs. It's it's a really really amazing episode. Really really well done. And I I don't think any TV show has done a musical episode as well as that. Um, and then, but my top comfort um, TV thing, which I could watch until the cows come home, is The Simpsons. Um, I I still think The Simpsons is the greatest show on TV. Um, has been, still is, probably will be. The day The Simpsons comes to an end, I'll probably enter a period of mourning. It's never um, going to go away. Though. I mean, you think of Friends. Friends has been off air mm. longer than it was ever on air, but it's still as big as I ever. know. I just I just can't imagine. Um, an existence without Simpsons episodes coming on that I haven't seen before because even now like if the Simpsons comes on sometimes there's episodes that come on because I don't um I don't watch um like regular TV as such so if something's well you know obviously Bake Off and there's that other uh show that's coming back on again with dancing or something which I sometimes watch um but like The Simpsons is one of those things. It's generally like Friends. You could turn mm. a telly on at any point yeah. on any channel, and an episode will be on, and I'll happily watch any episode. I couldn't tell you a favourite episode. Um, no, that's it with Simpsons for me. It's not on my list because I never seek to put it on. Generally, I'm channel hopping. I can't find anything else, so I'll put Simpsons on if that makes sense. But yeah, well, I, I do it- love it. Like I Instagram today, one of my favourite bits. The how. Treehouse of Horrors, where uh, Millhouse brings the grand pumpkin to life, then immediately mm. offers it pumpkin bread, and he, you eat pumpkins, revenge, and then chases them all. Um, Love it. Yeah, I mean, well, I've you know, I own Simpsons box sets. When I was living with, uh, my dad's a Simpsons fan as well. And we had all these Simpsons box sets, and quite often we'd just sit down and just put on a disc and watch the whole disc and. We were watching episodes we'd watched countless, countless times, but they're still brilliant. I mean, Mr. Plough is a good oh. episode uh, that springs to mind. Have you um, seen, slightly off topic, but Liam Neeson is basically making a film that is Mr. Plough. He's a, yeah. he's a snow ploughman who's out for revenge. <laughs> oh, he won't have as good a jingle, will he? Oh, God. Um, um, one of my absolute favourite scenes ever, um, and I, I had it as my um, Facebook... Um, wallpaper for ages is uh, where Ned breaks the fourth wall um, and and just look this Homer does something so shitty accidentally but but Ned doesn't know what to do and he literally just looks at the, looks at the camera in, you know um, looks at the camera as if to just kind of go what now do you know <laughs> what I mean and I was just like this could this could this cartoon get any better um yeah, I absolutely love it. it so the Simpsons will always be my number one. Homer will always be my number one guy. Homer is amazing. He is. All of the best moments, other than the one that I mentioned earlier with the pumpkin, it's him It's him talking to his brain, I think, is some of the funniest just, stuff. I just absolutely love it. I still, people, just, uh, people say that it's not as good as it used to be. Um, I, I just think it's great. Absolutely love it. I could, I could watch The Simpsons forever. And the if, thing I, as well, if I could only watch one thing for the rest of my life, I'd watch The Simpsons. Well, the other thing with that is obviously there's what thirty seasons of it now. That's thirty mm. episodes. So you've got a lot of it to get through as well. Mm. Keeping there's, it fresh. There's always a decent Simpsons episode to watch. Yeah, there's and very again, f- 
um, really good like musical numbers um, and homages. Who needs the quickie mark? Who needs the quickie mark? Is is one of the best songs ever. Um, so if you want a good Simpsons um, collection, uh, songs in the key of Springfield, if you can still get it, not only is the CD printed to look like a, a donut, but when you take the disc out, the tray looks greasy as if the, oh, the that's beautiful. as if the donut has been sat there. But you got like, um, who needs the quickie mark? The Stonecutter song. Um, see my vest um, yeah. again, which is one of the greatest things ever committed to film. Um, it's just fantastic. I remember, didn't Bart have a single as well like in the late eighties? Mm, do the Bartman? Because yeah, it was all about Bart, wasn't it? And then mm. they realised that Homer was a much funnier character, and it switched over to Homer. Well, yeah. it's sort of family, but still, I'd say Homer's like the main character now. Yeah, yeah. I've got quite a lot of like Simpsons t-shirts and jumpers and stuff. I love it. Yeah, it's the best thing ever. That's it. So that's my uh, that's my top five comfort TV. Smashing. So thanks very much. Yeah, <coughs> an emotional. Th- it's strange. Sat opposite you, seeing you happy. I know, Not, right? Normally you're miserable. You talk about all the shit that's going on, but you've done nothing but smile. I know. It's off-putting. Um, so that's the end of it's episode one. It's not all because one. I'm happy. I've got a little bit of gas as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. That always brings a smile. Uh, so that brings us to the end of episode one of our comfort films. So let's go through the social media so we are theatrical cut pod on the instagram and theatrical cut on twitter but we post virtually nothing on there so don't really look at us on twitter if you want to get in touch we are theatrical cut at gmail.com i'm prefax on twitter and on instagram sonia is mallory underscore watches on instagram and bloody mallory on twitter can you do the uh, mother pod stuff son because i always get it wrong uh so the mother pod is t m t o o h on the instagram i think that's right two m t o o h on the twitter if either of those don't work just switch them around yeah uh they're on facebook as well but we all know facebook's for dicks so uh <laughs> um if you want to look at pictures of uh babies and food then go to facebook um but for horror movies and dick pics, it's all over on Instagram. <laughs> it's on mine anyway. Um, dick pics. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening to part one. I've enjoyed this, Terry. It was a good topic. Thanks yeah. for picking something jolly for me to talk about. No worries. And yeah, check out the Insta because I will put as a story the picture of John Travolta, Olivia Newton-John and the screaming corpse <laughs> yeah. when this pod has gone out. Uh, but... Everything done for part one, son? I'm done. I've got nothing else to say. Mic drop. Mic drop.